gentlemen, Ryland Turner and Kyle Joseph here for another edition of Wednesday Night Wallop. This one looks better, sounds better, feels better. We got our fucking music back. RJ's back on the production. We're back. We're back. And it's been since Double or Nothing since you've heard us talk about AEW. Like I said, I'm Ryland Turner. Kyle Joseph, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm good. It's it's good to be back doing this. It has been a while. I'm I'm so tempted, but I'm not going to. Um, it has been a while <laughs> since, we, we, since we've done this, and it's it's good to be back at it. Yes, absolutely. We uh, well, we, we've had a, basically since Double or Nothing. Uh, I've had a bunch of work stuff come up, and, and you went on vacation. I did. So let's let, let's talk about your vacation. Where the, where'd you go, Kyle? Um, I took the train out to Edmonton. I've done this a, a couple times. I'm I'm a big fan. Like so. Uh, for the listeners who don't get to see it based on my Twitter picture, I am a uh, six foot four. And so let me tell you, traveling, uh, by any means is a terrible experience for me because my legs are always pressed up against the seat in front of me. And then inevitably the person behind or in front of me will start pulling on their, their seat, uh, their back, um, their seat back trying to get the to lean back and wondering why it's broken. It's not broken. You're just pressing into and crushing my knees. Um, but let me tell you, uh, train, I got fully extended, uh, on, on the, on the way there, they let me sit in the seats where the seats face the other seats. So I was like completely lying back with my shoes off, fully asleep. It was it was a good time. Um, I, I am I am a fan of that. Got into Edmonton, ha- had a really great time there. Uh, saw some friends. Uh, got drunk and sang karaoke one night. Why is this not on your Twitter? It's <laughs> a good question. What's your go-to drunk karaoke song? Guys? Ooh, so is- for these particular days, um, for this particular day, I went with uh, "All of You" by John Legend. And oh, then, wow. and then I went back to, um, wrapped up in you by Garth Brooks. Cause when you're in Alberta, you gotta give, you gotta give the people what they want. And Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I want, I want you to know that all of you is a song that me and another guy in the kitchen, whenever it comes on, on the playlist. And, and I have a wide assortment of, of music on my playlist. Oftentimes people are like, Oh, I see we're in our, uh, our, uh, a women's empowerment uh, hour on Ryland's playlist as my Sia and Lady Gaga stuff kicks in. And, but there's also, you know, I, I, I do get soft, right? I, I, I do have a little John Legend and I do have a little of Lewis Capaldi and, and what have you, but all of me, um, that song that kicks in me and a buddy in the kitchen for two white boys. We hit some notes that uh, <laughs> you would not believe that we could hit. Um, um, if you are in fact asking, my usual drunk karaoke song is "Lonely Boy" by Blue Black Keys. Nice, but nice. But yeah, I, I feel like to, there's got to be a dance to that too. I used to uh, sing some other. There was a karaoke song that was my go-to for a while, but then we had to, for very, very understandable reasons, had to cancel R. Kelly, so we can't go back to that anymore. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> it was bump and grind, wasn't it? No. <laughs> It was not. Um, uh, Rylan, uh, you had a story you wanted to tell me as well. So a couple of weeks ago, I was, we were supposed to have a guest this evening. Uh, Mick Hawley was going to join us again, but he's uh, he's come a little under the weather. No COVID, thankfully. Uh, but me and him, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went out to uh, Belleville, Ontario to go check out Mick Foley. 
Mick Foley doing a live show. Uh, we got VIP tickets to go to this thing, so we got a meet and greet experience after the show, which I'll talk about as we get into it. But uh, there's a lot to this story, Kyle. Uh, number one, have you ever gone to the restaurant Shoeless Joe's? I have not, no. Okay, so it's basic, your basic sports bar. Yeah. Um, not much to it. It's, you know, very expensive food. Too, too, too much of expensive uh, alcohol. However, it's a family restaurant. And uh, when we arrived at this location, knowing that Mick Foley was doing a performance at this location, we were wondering, how could this be? What kind of setup could they possibly have for this guy? Perhaps they have a stage. Perhaps they have like a private room that he's doing. Uh, no, he performed in the bar. Um, and let me tell you. When we got there, we had been told that he was there a few uh, a few hours prior having dinner, and he did not look impressed. He did not look impressed. Number one, I guess they had promised him a certain amount of ticket sales to this, and uh, I've seen Mick Foley before. I saw him in a, perform in a theater in Winnipeg, uh, down in the hipster area of, uh, I guess, Corden and, and whatnot. Um that place housed probably four or five hundred people. Uh, f- f- 52, I think, people saw Mick Foley at the Shoeless Joe's. Maybe 52 people. Um, so let's, let's start at the beginning here. Mick Foley walks in um, and he has an opener. The opener was not bad. Told some funny uh, uh, wrestling stories because he's toured with Jake the Snake Roberts before story indeed that stuck out was uh, how Jake and them always used to go for dinner before the show and then Jake would get up and start doing circles around the table and finally he after a couple of times of him doing this he just asked him Jake what's going on like are you alright and he's like oh, it's the old hip I gotta get it out and I gotta move around because otherwise it locks up and then I'm no use to you guys tonight uh, and he's like absolutely understandable so Jake goes outside for a cigarette uh, and it, it, it was about the fourth or fifth time before he realized what Jake was doing was he was crop dusting the table and then calling the hottest server over to him and saying that the table wanted something and sending that poor girl over to stand in his uh, in his farts um, and think it was the guys at the table. He, he said that he could see him standing outside, poking his head in through the window, laughing at them eventually. Uh, that's what clued him off to it. But anyway, um Moving forward to Mick Foley. Mick Foley comes out and immediately you can tell not impressed, not impressed with. And this is this is a guy who's typically the nicest guy in the world. But uh, so Mick Foley's got the Stanley Cup, um, g- uh, Stanley Cup finals game playing above him. Sorry, not the finals. I guess the semifinals or quarterfinals game playing above his head, which he very swiftly was like, uh, I only ask two things when I come and I do these performances. Number one, I got two bottles of water. And number two, that the Stanley Cup playoffs aren't playing directly above my head. Um, I'm telling you, Kyle, I was probably three inches away from Mick Foley. We got put right in the front row. uh, And this is the second time I've seen him. The second time in the front row. Very excited about this. So he goes on and he does his his He tells his stories. He's got a lot of great stories. The last half an hour of his show was opened up to Q&A. I should state for the record that Mick Foley asked me in particular at the beginning of the show because I had seen him before what his rule about language was in his show. Now, me being me, I was a little stoned. And I forgot this rule. But Mick Foley's rule when he does his stand-up or spoken word tours is he says fuck once. 
He doesn't say it more than once. He says it once. And he really had a hard time doing this with the Diamond Dallas Page story where he invited Jason Sensation, uh, with who, who's famous for playing Owen Hart in the uh, DX parody of The Nation of Domination. Um, this is a, a former, this is, I guess, an indie wrestler, Canadian guy who did some stuff with the WWE at the end. He just tours with Mick Foley now and plays characters for him. Uh, so he came out and he played Diamond Dallas Page because uh, Diamond Dallas Page is known for saying fuck every second word. So as opposed to Mick Foley dropping uh, 15 F-bombs in this story, Jason Sensation did all the heavy lifting for him. Uh, really funny stuff. Getting to the end, though. Um, Q&A part. I'm right there. My hand's up the entire time. And finally, uh, he starts to ask his opener to start picking some guys. And then he stops his opener right at the end. And he goes, wait a minute, hold on. These guys over here, he's got, he's got my shirt on. He's, wearing, he's got my book on his table. Let's let him ask the last question. Now, I don't own a Mick Foley t-shirt. I don't. My t-shirt was a Jimi Hendrix t-shirt. And it took about 3.5 seconds before Mick Foley realized that I was not wearing a Mick Foley t-shirt. Looked at me and went, oh, that's not a Mick Foley t-shirt. It's a Jimi Hendrix t-shirt. Looked back at the crowd and said, fuck this guy. <laughs> the crowd did not immediately pop. Mick, of course, Mick, my friend, of course, popped right away. Uh, the, the, the other guys at our table popped right away. He then said, I said, fuck this guy. And everyone popped. He asked. He, we all had a big laugh about it. Uh, he got I got to ask the last question and that turned into the last story, which he finished the show with, which was great. I thought it was awesome. I felt terrible for him. Apparently, he could also not find a hotel room in Belleville. Uh, he had handed the uh, restaurant 100 signs to put up in the restaurant and around town. And he got there and nothing was put up. And then uh, during a conversation uh, when I met him and he signed my my book and, uh, and, uh, and another uh, photo op thing with him. Um, he, he, I said to Jason Sensation, who was taking the pictures, I thought you were really funny playing Diamond Dallas Page. And he said, Mick Foley then turns to me and goes, young man, he was going to play Bret Hart and Steve Austin as well. But these guys at this restaurant don't understand music cues. Uh, <laughs> and I can only imagine what that would have been like. Apparently, if you go back on Mick Foley's cameo, you can hear some of Jason Sensation's Bret Hart promos. Uh, oftentimes they start with, uh, that unsafe piece of shit, Bill Goldberg. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, Mick Foley was great. Honestly, it was a really great show. I felt terrible for him, but the one thing I took out of that show was for those 50 something people that were in that room that night, it was a really intimate experience with Mick Foley. Uh, he, he was around everybody. He met everybody. Uh, he, he called the young kid, the, the only young kid in the audience on, on, on to, to do a little bit with him. It was really great. And, and to know that I got to be a part of the show somehow, he got to use the one fuck he uses on me. It was a, it was a great experience. So, uh, I would suggest if anyone is, uh, seeing that Mick Foley is coming into town for his have a nice day tour, pick up some VIP tickets and go meet that guy. He's a, he's a really big, awesome dude. All right, that's a good story. Um, so we'll transition that into talking about some other wrestling stories, or yes, rather news related to the wrestling world in a segment that we like to call Wednesday Night Roundup. It's a Wednesday Night Roundup. Music's back, Rylan. All right, let's go. It, let's start with 
And I'm just going to ask the question because I don't I don't know how to cue this aside from what's going on with MJF. Well, I mean, since we've been gone, since we've been gone, oh, sorry. Lord. Um it's been since double or nothing since you've heard us talk about AEW and uh at double or nothing MJF showed up to lose to Wardlow fairly convincingly in the opening match, uh, boarded a plane, and left after the show. Uh, There was a lot of speculation that he was written off TV in that, being that he was stretchered out and the neck brace and everything. Uh, That was wrong. Uh, He showed up on Dynamite the week after and cut a ridiculously amazing scathing promo on Tony Khan. Now, I think it's a divisive promo. I think if you are into that style of work shoot stuff, you loved it. Uh, I I loved it for reasons that I I don't quite know honestly. It's it's hard. It's it's a promo that I've gone back and watched a couple times now, and like uh, there's something about it that just makes me feel like number one that he's officially made as a babyface star, and number two, um, he's not going anywhere in 2024 because there is no way in hell. Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are going to give him the okay to say, Vince McMahon, you're a fucking old Mark. Uh, he said, he said, fuck on, on dynamite, sir. Uh, he said, fuck. While there were plenty of discovery executives in the building, um, who after their, their big merger with, um, Warner media, this was quite the, uh, you thought would maybe this would have been the week they would have turned it down a little bit, but this was also John Moxley bleeding like a stuck pig in the main event and, and everything. So Kyle, let's get into it. Uh, since then, MJF has been removed off of, uh, all of their, uh, everything. Uh, there's been a, a report out that Warner media wants him out of all the promo footage. Um, that's, uh, for anyone who's, uh, paying attention to that and thinking that that's a, a f- factual thing, uh, you don't understand how TV works. Um, <laughs> a, a, they pay them for the commercials. Yes, they can, if they don't want somebody in a commercial, I'm sure they can request it. But, uh, I don't think for a second that with all the hype that this guy was getting in the social media circuit, that Warner Media wants less to do with him. That's for sure. Uh, F-bomb or no F-bomb, I think this guy's money. I think AEW's got their hot baby face, and this guy's got to be champion by the end of the year. Got to be champion by the end of the year. Yeah, it's... I'm honestly, and I don't I don't mean to cut you off, but, like, I'm very disappointed that he's not champion. I, I think that, the, or at least not going towards the title for Forbidden Door. I think that the when you have a character that is hot like this sometimes yes you let that simmer for a minute and let it build and i i know that that's that's tony khan's thing he likes to let shit build and i get that but sometimes when it's hot it's really hot and you just capitalize on that when it's hot stone cold steve austin was never a let it simmer character as soon as he was stone cold steve austin he was in 12 segments he was stunning people jeff jarrett couldn't get <laughs> couldn't get over it was it was chaos Constantly, and you know what? To the benefit of Stone Cold Steve Austin, it worked. I'm not saying MJF is that on that level. I'm just saying that he's hot right now, and I would be doing everything I can to get that guy in front of people's faces as it, an AEW guy. It will take time for me. I think they should build this as an anti-hero story. Um, I because he's not a face really yet. No, he's, he's not. He's still not really talking about anything else but himself. 
There's not, like, he acknowledged the crowd, but he just as much, you know, shut them down as he did acknowledge them. And and initially they were not receptive to that, but by the end of that promo, they were on his side. Yeah, I I think if you're going to build an anti-hero character out of MJF, I think it needs to be a longer term story. I think, cause, especially because there's not, without them booking him towards the title, which... I, I don't think they should do right now. I, I'm going to disagree with you just because we already saw the MJF CM Punk match. I don't think we're getting a better match between those two. And I, I still don't think the fans are ready to boo CM Punk. However, if somebody were to take the title off of CM Punk, then you could maybe get MJF as anti-hero coming up and and taking the title off of the person who beat Punk. Um, I think this does need to be longer term. I think we need to get a little bit more character building. I think there's going to need to be some segments where he kill, like, you know, he breaks down the whatever the doors he uh, beats off security and he uh, interrupts, you know, whether it be he interrupts uh, a match or he interrupts a promo or he does something. It could maybe a tone, the next Tony Khan announcement, he'll interrupt him and he'll uh, try to deal with him uh, directly. And Tony Khan will have him removed. If we're going to have, you know, Tony Khan as, as that character, I don't know. Now, I, I now, think- now that's another question is what's the angle here? Is it MJF versus Tony Khan? Because Tony Khan has been very adamant that he will not be an on-screen character on this show. No. But you can't not with this program, right? Yeah, like, and that's sort of his thing, to... is he's putting him, like, they're, it's moving him in a direction where, because AEW, especially with Cody gone now, they don't really have a voice of management anymore. Right. There's no on-screen representative for management's desires or demands for somebody for like, so there's no the man to rally against. Right, right. Because Austin is only as at his Austiniest when Mr. McMahon is there. Right. So I don't know if Tony Khan needs to be an on-screen character, but there does need to be some representative of management, whether that's going to be a champion whether that's going to be um, an on-screen um, authority figure, whatever that representative is going to be, there needs to be, or you know, even a faction that, like, maybe Tony Khan has hired an enforcer faction to clean up the company or whatever it is, uh, and the, or you know, it could be somebody else. It could be it could be somebody coming in saying that they're they're here to clean up this company and have MJF rally against them. But there there does need to be some element of we need to uh we need to do something to to change how that is going. And I don't know I don't know what I I don't know what that's going to be for for uh who that who that person or people are going to be for MJF to challenge against. But I, I disagree with you. I think this is something that I don't think it wraps up even by the end of the year. I think this is a story that needs to be told 
kind of in the same vein as the Hangman story. I will tell. I will be the first to tell you. I was not on board with the Hangman Page story at the start of it. I think we were both very critical of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we were. But we were. I, I think we proved to be a really good story. I think the same can be said for the Wardlow story. That is a long-term booking for right. a company that hasn't been around that long. Right. And and with what Wardlow's got coming at him this week on Dynamite, I feel like he's at his top level. I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll We're, we'll get into that later. But uh, so yeah, that I, I, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. I'm excited for the story, but he's a character that like. If ever there was, like, if ever there was somebody who needed to go around to, like, um, other podcasts or other sort of media spaces or something, like, appear somewhere else where he can get his side of the story off so that he really looks like he's going up against management or just taking it to the man. Uh, yeah, I definitely could see that, that situation. And then, you know, I think the big thing is right now it feels like it's still about his contract. And that's only going to get you so much sympathy. Ask, you know, every sports, every athlete's union in the country. That's only going to get you so much sympathy. Uh, it needs to be about something else. It needs to be but like, I feel like he's speaking now to the integrity of AEW. And I think there's something to that. Agreed. Agreed. Um, next story. Let's talk about Cody. Yeah. So Cody wrestled the match with, uh, with a purple arm, Raylan. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Cody tore his pectoral muscle right off the bone, uh, a week before Hell in a Cell. And I'm not sure what doctors he was seeing. Uh, but, uh, Patch Adams, I guess, decided that, uh, it was, uh, Okay for Cody to go out and wrestle a Hell in a Cell match with a torn pectoral muscle. Now, I am not a doctor. I am not in any way, shape, or form uh, a medical professional in any sense. Perhaps these doctors looked at Cody and said, there's nothing worse you can do to it. So as long as you're not going nuts, which he did, um, you'll, you should be fine. And he just made the decision that I... And, and I knowing how long he's going to be out it's come out that he's going to be out nine months i think what cody's thought process was and we're going to talk about this afterwards <clears throat> i think what the thought process was was that i need i am going to be going away for a while probably a extended period of time i'm going to leave these fans with a memory that when i come back they're like oh yeah the guy with the purple chest Let's get behind this guy again. I don't think he gives himself enough credit. The fact that Cody Rhodes is a popular enough wrestler where if he went away for nine months and came back, guess what? The people are happy. They didn't. He didn't need to do this to himself. However, however, Kyle, currently, for my best of the year, Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes in Hell in a Cell currently is my match of the year. Um, a lot of emotion behind that match. 25 minutes that it was the best of their three matches, too. Um, Seth Rollins, perfect heel coming out in polka dots, um, just working that peck <laughs> so much with kendo sticks and chairs and just ridiculousness. Um, as soon as Cody took off his jacket, the Allstate Arena in Chicago went from loud as fuck to, oh my God, 
silent for about the first five, 10 minutes of this match. Every time he got hit with the weight belt or anything else in the chest, it was audible, like groans and audible gasps at this. Um, Cody went over, which boggles my mind, but whatever, like, that's fine. I, I get it. I get it. Um, they, I, again, I think they really feel like Seth Rollins' losses don't matter. I, I agree. He 100%. has lost a Like, I think he and AJ Styles. Do, do you know the last eight time AJ Styles won a pay-per-view match? Probably when he was with the Omos. Um, yeah, I think you might be right. It's It's been a, a long, long time. And I feel like with those two guys in particular, the company just feels like they can take as many losses as they want to. They're still big stars. And maybe that's true. I just feel like I'm still waiting for face Seth Rollins. I think this character is sort of played to it. I, I Especially think, given how few faces there are in the company. I personally think that, I mean, the next night on Raw, they could have, they had the opportunity. They, they did the handshake. They could have left it and had Seth Rollins be a baby face for Raw. Um, but instead, they decided that, in, that what they were going to do was they were going to turn Edge, or at least turn Judgment Day on Edge, and it looks like Edge will be our top babyface on Monday Night Raw. Yay. So happy they made him get a haircut for that. He's, uh, he's, 50, he's 50. Poor guy. Poor guy. And, like, not again, I think Edge is a great, is still a very good wrestler, but we're just... Like, you can't just flip him back and forth like this. No, no, you really can't. And like Rollins at least had that year, two years, two and a half years of being this character where you've you like you said, you've done all you can with it. You had this phenomenal match. You did the handshake. But what they do? Well, they had to write Cody off TV because he was talking. Oh, I'll just go into money in the bank. And I'm just thinking you, to myself, why like, don't you? Why did, do you send Vince you McMahon out there? Write, yeah, you didn't have to write Cody off TV. Every everyone who saw his purple arm while he was wrestling knew he wasn't going to be able to wrestle with a purple arm in perpetuity. Much less you, than a Money mean, in the Bank ladder match. Write, yeah, what do you mean you have to write him off TV? Uh, does he? The, so I, I apologize. It's not a hospital he needs to check into to get his surgery. It's a, uh, a backstage medical facility. I guess. Is that where he's doing his surgery? It's just some Need guy to write in a bathtub off full of ice. Uh, yeah, harvesting kidneys there, too. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like a scene at a cyberpunk. <laughs> Speaking of injuries, uh, I guess time we talk about CM Punk. Yeah. Oh, I suppose we should say Cody, uh, WWE said nine months. This type of injury is definitely going to be several months. I I suspect um, they're probably going to target a Royal Rumble return if they can. Mm -hmm. But time will tell. And honestly, uh, all the flowers to Cody in the world, I think that if he wins the Royal Rumble and then goes on to WrestleMania to win the title, that what a year. What a year for the guy. No. Um, even with that lengthy injury in between there, uh, what a great year and what a great story. And it will be a culmination of an amazing story. So I'm, I'm, I'm I couldn't be for a guy who's going to spend nine months on the shelf. I couldn't be happier for him. And also the, the rest of the wrestling world has got to step it up for the next few months, because when a man with a torn fucking peck has match of the year wrestling with a purple chest and purple arm, as Kyle's mentioned, 
You boys got to step up your game. Because I thought for sure Hangman Page and CM Punk had my had my uh, nod this year, but they got beat within two weeks. All right, we will move on. Speaking of uh, uh, Charles Maynard Punk, uh, your man's is is hurt. It's true. It's true. He, uh, along with like every top guy in the wrestling business right now, is taking some yeah. significant time off. Um, he is it appears to be what they're calling it is a lower leg injury. Uh, it's been referenced as a foot break. Um, apparently, according to uh, the boys on Dynamite on the commentary team, he had a successful surgery on Wednesday and he was hoping for, you know, a speedy recovery. Uh, we do here wish him a speedy recovery. That's not a oh, 100 percent. We, 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 you know, it, it's terrible to know that like the poor guy. <laughs> Wins the title, has a great six-man tag match with FTR the next uh, Wednesday, and then by Friday has to announce that he is not relinquishing the title, but simply stepping aside and an interim champion will be crowned. I, I don't think they could have had him let go of the title because I don't think they want to give him a... Like, if he relinquishes the title, I don't think they want him to win the title again. No, I agree with you 100%. I, I think that it's the right. I think that's that's AEW. That's a sports orientated program. And that's how they, you know, like that's how they do business. They're always they've got the records. They've got all the stuff that makes them different from WWE in that sense. So having an interim champion, that's 100 percent the way that I would expect them to do it. However, as we're going to get to on Dynamite, uh, when I start talking about it, uh, not handled perfectly. Um but yeah, it's it's too bad. Uh, CM Punk is going to be out for uh, an extended period of time. But uh, again, hopefully it's not too d- drastic of an injury and that he can come back within the next few months. Hopefully be back in time for uh, for All Out in Chicago. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, like uh, a speedy recovery to CM Punk. Also to uh, Brian Danielson, who's been out with a concussion since Double or Nothing. Uh, I, we didn't talk about that off air, but... That's always a tough one with a guy like uh, Danielson. Yeah. I mean, you have to take special precaution just because of his history. And, yeah, don't clear him too early, but hopefully he is able to come back soon and, and get back to wrestling because he clearly loves it if he's still doing it after after what he's put his body through. And we're going to talk about uh, them taking care of Daniel Bryan and not taking care of somebody else uh, uh, once we get to uh, Dynamite, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh we do have one more piece of news. All right. Which is um, Paige is leaving WWE. Yes. Yes. Uh, was it July 7th? Yes. She announced on her social media that she is uh, she's departing the WWE, obviously uh, with a heavy heart. Uh, WWE's done a lot for her and, and honestly has taken care of her in a sense of she was had a career ending injury and she's continued to collect a paycheck from them. Uh, through the pandemic and everything, um, they've continued continued to feature her in certain aspects. Probably not to is the length that she would have wanted to be featured, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I guess at this point, do you see uh, Soraya appearing on the indie scene to do some wrestling? I know you mentioned that you maybe want to see her do one match, but maybe a manager would be better suited for her. Um, yeah, but yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, if she wants to go, like, she's going to decide whether or not she wants to wrestle again. And she has to live with the the reality of the fact that she's still really young. And 
it's hard for, you know, the thing that you put your entire life into, and especially for somebody like, um, you know, like Soraya Knight, who, yeah, she put her whole, like, she's been wrestling since she was, or, uh, sorry, I say that, um, she's been wrestling since she was very, very young. Yes, like 12, 13. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie, so I I, I can't. Yeah, she was, uh, she was thirteen that. years old when she made her. Uh, Brittany Knight made her um, in ring debut. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll see if she she's apparently using her real name Soraya, which is uh, I, I got confused. That's her mother's um, ring name, right? But it is her actual name. Um, like she is. 29. She's younger than I am. She's younger than I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, to say your career's over at 29, and she hasn't, you know, she hasn't done anything for WWE. I think somebody's actually been keeping track of it, which she reads on Twitter and retweets very sadly. Um, 711 days, I believe, last, at last count. Uh, so, yeah, it's been over, you know, two years since she's been on WWE TV. Right. And I think at this point. And, like, she's clearly able to do something in wrestling if she wants to. Right. Every company, and I think every company in the world would have, aside from WWE apparently, would have her in some capacity, whether that be as a manager whether that be as, you know, in commentary, in a backstage, like a producing role. I think she'd be a great hand in AEW for that. Yeah, absolutely. If she wants to wrestle, that's a different story. But if she does want to come back to wrestling again, I'm not telling a 29-year-old person that they can't come back to the thing that they love. There's obviously going to be risks involved for her for the rest of her life, and there's probably going to be consequences for trying to do this thing. But, like, you know, this has been her entire life. I'm not about to say, like, you know, she shouldn't chase that dream anymore. Right. Whatever she wants to do, I wish her the best of luck. She has always been a very, very entertaining wrestler. She's always been a great personality in the business. And, like, um... A really important figure in women's wrestling. I really hope that she gets the Hall of Fame treatment she deserves from WWE. Frankly, I don't see why they shouldn't put her in next year. You know what? I 100% agree with you. I think the only thing barring that is if she does show up in an AEW program before that time. But I 100% agree with you. I think that she's fully deserving Uh, While she didn't have the career in WWE, I'm sure she wanted. She certainly had one. And she was prominent. She was definitely prominent in that women's evolution era of WWE. Um, But yeah, it's you know what? I'm happy for her. I'm happy that she's made this decision because obviously there is desire for other places to feature her because I don't think she'd leave if there wasn't. Yeah, that's it comes down to that. To be honest. We wanted to talk about there needing to be a voice for management in AEW. She was a general manager and a pretty good one, to be honest. Yeah, she did the job well. She was an entertaining character. She did not. She was certainly not Mike Adamley. 
uh, if we're going to go back in time. I'm sure you're not even familiar with who that is, but uh, needless to say, uh, don't worry about it. But yeah, I, I wish her all the best 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, always been a huge Paige fan. So let's hope that she gets uh, she gets her flowers wherever she goes. Um, so that's all the news we've got. I, I say all. We've been talking for at least half an hour to this point. Yeah. Okay. Dynamite was live this week from Kansas City, Missouri. We had a stacked show. Uh, however, it was a show that I, I will say off the top of my review of it, uh, I was not super, super high on. Uh, the main event was going to feature John Moxley, the number one ranked competitor. Uh, not actually the number one ranked competitor. Uh, Wardlow is the number one ranked male competitor. But he set his sights on something else. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But John Moxley will face the winner of a casino battle royale to, uh, opening the show to determine uh, who is going to fight for the interim AEW World Championship at Forbidden Door. Uh, Hiroki Goto and Tanahashi were, are going to fight at uh, New Japan Dominion to determine uh, which of the two from that side will be uh, vying for the AEW uh, interim world championship. Uh, um, I have a question for you. Sure. Were you surprised that both matches were on the same night, the Battle Royal and the, the Moxley match? I just think that knowing that it's we're, we're coming close to this pay-per-view already, they probably figured we want to get this dealt with as fast as possible. So not not super surprised, but I will say, like, I feel like there's a lot to a lot to be said about how they decided to do this. Uh, the okay, also, I want to say off the top, uh, not every battle royale in AEW needs to be a casino battle royale. I feel like uh, this is a uh, uh, don't get me wrong. I feel like every time they do it, it gets a little bit easier to figure out. But um, that being said, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, there was a part of this that I felt like absolutely necessitated it being a casino battle royale. But we'll get into it. Um the match begins with the first set being Darby Allen, Daniel Garcia, Eddie Kingston, Tony Nese, and Lance Archer. Lance Archer sitting up, up on the top rope as these guys all break into a brawl. Uh, stuff I'm not gonna, stuff I'm just gonna, you know, nitpick about right away. Uh, this first half of the, or the first opening bit of this match, a lot of it took place on the floor. This is a battle royale. This is a battle royale. Not a match I want to see Darby Allen do suicide dives onto the floor for. Okay? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not that guy. I do love Darby Allen and his wild offense. But this is a battle royale. Old man Willie swinging his fists, telling the kids to get off his lawn. Not happy with this. But anyway. Get back, get back in the ring and throw somebody over the top. Yeah. And we're, make well, sure that both feet hit the ground. Kyle, there's more we got to get into. The next set was Ricky Starks, Ray Phoenix, uh, Swerve Strickland, Jake Hager, and Keith Lee. Uh, this, again, it leads into more brawling. It's hard to cover about a Royale, man. You know yeah. how it goes. Yeah. Uh, the next suit is John Silver, uh, Takashita. Max Caster, Austin Gunn, and Colton Gunn. Max Caster raps about being the one to break CM Punk's foot. Uh, I'm just going to say, the presentation of the acclaimed and the gun club together is magic. It's really it's really magic. Uh, as soon as they, he passes the mic over to the, uh, the gun club to do the St. Louis! Topeka! And then, of course... Um, Anthony Bowens grabs the mic and says, Kansas City, 
Let me hear you say ass boys. Crowd responds, ass boys. Scissor me, daddy ass. This is the greatest the, the greatest version of this group. Kyle's laughing. I hope you're laughing too. These guys are wildly entertaining. Uh, I really got to give it to uh, the acclaimed because I feel like for the longest time they've been the the group that everyone's like, ah, those guys are lame. They're lame, and their their raps can be, sometimes go a little bit too far. They've honed that shit in, and the 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 addition of the Ass Boys slash Gun Club uh, has been fantastic. Um. The next set, Powerhouse Hobbs, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Dante Martin, and Wheeler Yuta uh, making his return from New Japan. Uh, great showing for him. Dante Martin gets in there, immediately goes after Ray Phoenix. Uh, these guys need a singles match like I need uh, them to have a singles match. Mm. Uh, this was phenomenal stuff between the two of them. Uh, our Joker is Andrade El Idolo making his return after, uh, you know, a wonderful wedding and uh, his announcement on Double or Nothing that Roosh was joining him. Uh, no sight of Roosh, but uh, Roosh is also working on a, a, a per-appearance deal right now with AEW. So he is uh, he is not fully signed. He's negotiating a contract with them. Well, they, they haven't done the all-elite thing for Roosh just yet, like they did with... with um, Wardlow there. Uh, well, Wardlow was kayfabe, but... Um, True. But uh, Athena was not. Right. Um, the match comes down to Andrade, Phoenix, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, and Kyle O'Reilly. Um, it breaks down to Andrade. I'm sorry, I do want to interrupt you for a second. We have to talk about the, this betrayal of friendship. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, let's go to the order of elimination here. Tony Nese is eliminated by Keith Lee. Lance Archer is eliminated by Keith Lee. Max Caster is eliminated by Ray Phoenix. Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn both eliminated by Keith Lee. And that's when Kyle is alluded to, or what Kyle is alluding to. Uh, Swerve Strickland then throws Keith Lee over. And I actually listened to a podcast reviewing this. Uh, Our boys over at Post Wrestling. Uh, John Pollock making a, a, a valid point that oftentimes when we see this scenario where a tag team member eliminates another tag team member, you get the simple, ah, you got me. You got me. Ah, you're smart. I'll see you next week. Keith Lee was pissed. He was pissed. And Swerve just kind of went, ah. Swerve, and that wasn't the only elimination that got booze for him. Uh, going, uh, keeping going. Uh, John Silver was eliminated by Powerhouse Hobbs. Eddie Kingston was tossed out by Jake Hager. Jake Hager was then tossed out by Wheeler Yuta. Uh, Takashida was eliminated by both Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Dante Martin then did his wild offense on Ricky Starks until he was eliminated by Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks was then popped out by Ray Phoenix. Bobby Fish was then popped out by Darby, Darby Allen. And then Darby Allen was eliminated by Swerve Strickland, which got, grew a lot of booze from this audience. Oh, it looks like we're getting heel swerve. Yeah. And you know what? I understand that I was a big fan of Keith Lee and him, too, but I'm here for heel swerve. Heel swerve is really great. Let me hear you say swerve's house. Um, oh, yeah. There ain't going to be no more swerve's house. 
Uh, Swerve Strickland was then tossed out immediately by Andrade El Idolo, who was getting jacked up, looking huge at this point. Powerhouse Hobbs is popped out by Wheeler Yuta. Ray Phoenix is popped out by Andrade El Idolo. And then Andrade El Idolo is popped out by technically both Kyle O'Reilly and Wheeler Yuta. But Kyle O'Reilly and Wheeler, uh, sorry, Kyle O'Reilly and uh, El Idolo had formed a um, union to take down Wheeler Yuta and Ray Phoenix. But uh, Kyle O'Reilly then is able to knee Yuta on the apron after a series of kicks on the apron and runs at him with a boot. Kyle O'Reilly goes over in this opening match, 25 minutes. Um, here's my thing with this match. Uh, I, I deter, uh, like, uh, I'm going to say this. this. These are the guys who I would deem as top guys or top guy worthy. Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland, Eddie Kingston. Uh, if you, Andrade El Idolo, Ray Phoenix, Powerhouse Hobbs. I, I'll put Darby Allen there. Um, and I think there's an argument for Kyle O'Reilly as well, but not in his current. Uh, there's a, It was just a lot of guys missing from this that are top guys in AEW. And I feel like it was a lot of, hey, who's going to lose to Jon Moxley tonight? Like, that's that's how it felt. You didn't have Hangman. You didn't have guys like Jericho. You didn't have guys like any, uh, Wardlow, who's been hot. And the explanations throughout this show, ridiculous. Ridiculous. And we'll get into it. Uh, right after this match, we go backstage. John Moxley is uh, he's psyched up for his match with Kyle O'Reilly. This looks pre-taped, but it might have been live. I, I couldn't tell. Um, he's gonna. He's, he said he's in the wrong place with the wrong guy at the wrong time said that the Forbidden Door belongs to him and his three-year journey will culminate at Forbidden Door. It's also a thing. John Moxley's been chasing Tanahashi since the since COVID. Like, did anyone think... You know what, anyway, I'm going to move on. Broadcast team has announced that CM Punk uh, underwent successful surgery. The doctors are, are very encouraged by the result. And so hopefully, like, it, like we said earlier, hopefully CM Punk is back sooner rather than later. Uh, then we are sent to a video package announcing the arrival of the All-Atlantic Championship, which represents fans watching around the world. The broadcast team shows off the belt. I love the belt. The belt looks great. Oh, it does. Uh, it's a very it's good great. looking belt. Yes, great looking belt. They announced that there's going to be a fatal four-way match at Forbidden Door, which a tournament will determine. The tournament is as follows. Miro versus Ethan Page. Uh, Penta versus Pac. Uh, sorry, uh, Penta versus... Uh, and. Malachi Black, Pac versus um, Buddy uh, Matthews, and a match happening at Dominion between two New Japan superstars to determine the other member. Uh, do you, what, firstly, what are your thoughts on this tournament? Yes. Look, I'm... Does does AEW start... Is AEW starting to feel oversaturated with belts? Especially singles belts. Oh yeah, it is. Especially with the ROH stuff included. There's a lot of belts to keep track of. And I would have liked to see a women's tag belt and a tr or a trio's belt before another singles belt. If it is going to stay in as an international thing, I am all for it. Hey guys, producer RJ here. Um, there's been some trouble with Ryland's side of the audio. Um, I'm going to try to piece together what Kyle says and like link it. So it's not, it's going to be fairly one-sided. Um, hopefully it kind of makes sense to you, but otherwise, uh, sorry for that. 
that's the thing for me is like I think there should be if this is going to be a way of featuring the non-Americans in this division. Yeah, I'd be I'm fine with that. Well, well, I mean, remember how long Buddy Matthews was in NXT, and and by that point, Pac was past NXT and up to languishing, languishing in um, small small guy hell. Which is uh, currently the place they have. They are keeping Ricochet. Remember, you know how the you know how the Intercontinental Champion doesn't get a match on WrestleMania. You know how that works. Trent Beretta is standing in the ring by himself uh, as we come back from commercial break, and he's looking pretty bummed out. He says it's National Best Friends Day, and his friends aren't there. Says that him and Rocky Romero uh, had their match for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships a few weeks back, and they didn't win, but they didn't lose either. So he feels like they deserve another shot at the tag team titles. He wants to bring FTR out. FTR then comes out. Uh, He says that Cash Wheeler says he agrees they didn't win or lose. And he wants to make it very clear that FTR is the best team in the world. But then Dax Hardwood gets the mic and says that he shouldn't be mad at them. He should be mad at the guys who attack them. Will Ospreay's bitch boys. Which then brings out Will Ospreay, of all people. Will Ospreay comes out, makes his big grand entrance. The crowd pops huge, because I don't think anyone expected this. And then the Aussie Open, which were members of the United Empire attack all three. Um, Will Ospreay uh, stands tall with his faction members as the the segment ends. Uh, The crowd was hot for it. It was a strange, um, very strange, but uh, we cut to backstage where William Regal is standing with Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Adam Cole, which is an a image we saw last summer on a different in a different company, which <laughs> um, is weird. It, I was watching this segment. I was just sitting there like, this is on a new AEW now. This is AEW now. This is weird. Uh, William Regal's uh, saying that, well, he's taught them a lot. He is concerned for Kyle O'Reilly. And he said that he, as uh, he respects him, he shakes his hand and he says, it'll be uh, it'll be terrible. It'll be hard for me to uh, do commentary while Moxley cracks your head open. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly then cuts the babyface promo. Everyone's wanted him to cut forever. Um, and he's a heel. So imagine that um, babyface for one night, I guess. I'm not sure. Hangman Page is up next against David Finley. Uh, Adam Cole joins commentary for this bout, uh, and Adam Cole is shit on commentary. Holy God, man. He was just getting spots wrong and messing up stuff. And he was, he was not a good addition to commentary. (laughs) So, uh, I love Adam Cole, but not his strong suit. Um, Paige and Finley start off by feeling each other out with some, uh, chain wrestling, Finley starts to control the boat, um, but it swings in the favor of Hangman Page, who runs to the outside to grab a beer from a uh, nice-looking lady at ringside. Um, Finley rallies back. He targets Hangman Page's leg, uh, but Page fires up, slams Finley, hits a springboard clothesline, uh, and then dives onto, uh, to, onto Finley outside of the ring, and that takes us into a commercial break. We get we come back from the break. He, we have a power bomb onto Finley. Um, Finley then catches Hangman with a backbreaker uh, for a two count. Um, 
page gets uh, a clothesline uh, and then goes outside for the buckshot lariat, gets the win. Uh, he was selling the knee, so the question was, was he able to uh, uh, hit the buckshot lariat? But uh, he's not CM Punk, so yes, the answer is yes. Um, he hit it perfectly. Uh, he grabs the mic post-match and says that he wants to talk about the AEW World Championship, but tonight's not the night. Why? Uh, you're the former champion. Uh, you haven't been seen since you lost the title. If you want to wait, I guess, but why? Um, he points out that he wasn't in the little, he calls it the little battle royale, which I was just like, oh, all right. So all those guys who I feel like aren't really up at that level are certainly not at that level to the guy, to the former champion. Um, but he says that there's not only one world championship. He said that he wants the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at Forbidden Door, and he wants Okada. This brings Adam Cole to jump onto the mic and say that, let, let me remind you that you were a former champion and that you lost at the pay-per-view, and I won a tournament, and this, as he holds up the Owen Hart tournament belt. Um, and he also says that you also have to remember that Okada could not be, might not be the champion by Forbidden Door. It could be my friend Jay White. He says that if anyone deserves a title match, it's him. Because um, he's the new franchise player of AEW. Um, and he says that Paige stays out of his way. Uh, and he says that Paige should stay out of his way. And then he just says, boom, and drops the microphone. Uh, let's stop that right now. Because that's, that's lame as fuck. But... Um, <laughs> Like I'm sorry. Like, I was in this. Adam Cole has a history of getting lame things over. Uh, sure, sure. But that I Adam feel like Cole baby things should not work. No, but you know what? I will say it's wearing on me. It's wearing on me because he did not do this <laughs> baby after every fucking sentence in the WWE. He, he pulled it out every once in a while. Sure, but this is wearing on me very much. Anyway, we're uh, we're not going to get into that. Uh, that was the segment. It uh, looks like we're, we could be headed towards a triple threat match. Uh, I, I would prefer it be a singles match. I, Adam Cole's also fighting an injury as well, which we haven't talked about. He's apparently uh, dealing with a labrum injury that has not been determined as to how severe this injury is. This injury could keep him out six to eight weeks if it's a full labrum tear. Yeah, if, you, uh, if it's a yeah, torn labrum is not a joke. So... With all that being said, that's why we're not seeing him on TV. Or sorry, we're not seeing him wrestle on TV for the last few weeks. Uh, so time will tell on that one. Personally, I would prefer to see um, just Okada and Paige. I think that it was what, uh, as soon as the idea was put out into the universe a couple weeks ago when they had rumored it, I think that's what people wanted. Um, I think it's what he deserves. Because not only are we, like... He just dropped the title, but you want to keep him a top star. You, you go, you put him, you put him in the match with Okada. That's how you do it. Um, we go backstage to a pre-tape segment where Thunder Rose is talking about issuing a open challenge to uh, anyone in the women's uh, division to uh, have a title match on Dynamite. Marina Shafir walks up to her. Uh, Thunder Rosa then says, "Do you have a problem?" And Marina Shafir answers. I want to be your problem. And I wonder, can you solve me? And then the camera immediately cuts away just because I think they were like, oh, my God, that was cringy. Um, See, the, it, 
If you have, if you asked, if you're asked, if you have a problem, you say I am the problem. Well, that's her. That's her name, right? Like she's the problem, Marina yeah. Shafir. But that's the same thing. It's like you. I. I am the problem. Isn't it? You don't need to. You don't need to say anything else. Yep. So there was that. Uh, we're getting the women's title defended this week on uh, Dynamite. We'll get into that match later on. Uh, we have an in-ring segment with Wardlow. Uh, Tony Schiavone brings him out. He initially does not have music. You watch him walking from the back. Uh, the Wardlow chants erupt in the arena in Kansas City. Then, finally, as soon as he walks onto the stage, you hear his music kick in. He has his new Titan Tron. It's perfect. Uh, he does a salute to Batista by doing his slapping the chest and slapping the knee and uh, like, I don't think any, I don't know if anyone else in the world noticed that. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, he did Batista's thing. Um, he comes down to the ring. He says that he doesn't want a title shot because he can't face the rightful champion CM Punk. Uh, he wants CM Punk to heal up, and he will be waiting for him when he gets back. But for now, he says he has his eyes on another title. Oh, I should... I, I, I missed this. I gotta go back. Hold on. Before he started even talking about CM Punk, as soon as he got the mic, he, he started with, Kansas City! Welcome to Wardlow's World! Um... Let's let's stop that right now, too, because this guy's <laughs> this guy's an eloquent fucking speaker. When he cut his promos with MJF and that stuff, this man can talk. He talks very well. He's very well spoken. He does not need this like, yeah, I'm Wardlow, motherfucker. No, no. Anyway, says he's got his eyes on another championship and that it's the TNT championship, which he said he had won in March before MJF cost him it. Um. He says it's time to cha uh, time for a change. Uh, Scorpio Sky then comes out and starts walking towards the ring. Dan Lambert and Ethan Page stop him, stating that he's got a knee injury. And Wardlow says, I'll wait till you're 110% because that's the kind of guy I am. Um, Smart Mark Sterling then comes. As soon as these guys leave, Smart Mark Sterling then appears on the video screen. And it says that, Wardlow, you must be an idiot. You can't just rip up, rip up a legal document, which I guess he did last week because he's being sued by the security guards who he's beaten up over the weeks leading into the MJF match. Um, and he says he's got two options. He can face him in a court of law. Or next week, he could face 20 security guards in an elimination match on Dynamite. And I'm just like, take my fucking money. <laughs> like, I, how fast can Wardlow eliminate 20 dudes? That's the question. That is the question. And are they all in the ring at once? Is he going to have to beat them away like flies? Or are they tagging in? And Oh, it's going to be fantastic, Kyle. This is going to be... <laughs> and and. It's going to be, a, like, ridiculous with this crowd. Like, this crowd is going to eat this shit right up. I know it's dumb. Don't get me wrong. I know it's dumb. But, man, is this going to be fun or what? Like, <laughs> He's going to powerbomb people into people. Like, here's the thing. Wrestlers, especially monster wrestlers, when they get to beat up jobbers, that's probably their favorite day. Yeah. Because it's like... Getting to beat up. So the the one I really remember was while Jinder Mahal was the champion in WWE. How much? Um. 
a disturbing amount of pleasure that Randy Orton took in beating up the Bollywood boys? Yes. It's going to be like that, like, or, or the Bludgeon Brothers, uh, with uh, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Getting to, uh, uh, I still can't remember who it was who got to, who, uh, had that scream while he was being powered. It was off. just a jobber. It was just yeah. a jobber. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But like, I'm, I can't remember who the jobber was, but like, yeah, that's legendary. That's legendary stuff. It'll be great next week. I'm very much so looking forward to that. Uh, in a promo backstage. Uh, okay, before anything, I think I finally figured out Nick Jackson's character. Now, people who listen to the show who have have or do partake in <laughs> substance abuse, I think Nick Jackson's character is he's on lewds all the time because they're cutting this promo about how they beat up the Lucha Bros last week and they're like, let's get the titles back. And like Nick Jackson is just sitting there like, yeah, let's just get the titles back. I know no one can see me, but Kyle can. So this is for him. Um, and then the Hardy boys walk in and Nick Jackson's face is get out of our office, man. And I popped huge for this. I thought this was hilarious. <laughs> uh, they said that they that they had the door cracked open and they heard them talking about wanting the tag titles. And they're like, how can you want the tag titles when we beat you with double or nothing? And Jeff is just standing there going, hallelujah. And I'm like, oh, he's still concussed. God damn it. Um, <laughs> Christian then walks in, who's like, man, you guys are really loud out there. Like this door has been cracked open and I can hear you guys talking about the tag team titles. And then he's followed by Jungle Boy and and Luchasaurus. And he says that, well, uh, the, sorry, the Young Bucks then go on about how they beat the champs in uh, in uh, Los Angeles. And uh, Christian then goes, yeah, in Jungle Boy's hometown. I know right in front of his family and everything that was terrible. Um, he says that he, he, the next week there's going to be a tag tag team title match. Christian then looks at the Hardys and goes, the match that put us on the map. And immediately, Jungle Boy in the background of this, like, fucking office that is only lit up by black lights is standing there like, okay, what are you doing? Like, what do you mean? After, after already reacting to the, like, yeah, he lost in his hometown, like, hey, fuck you, man. Um... Then going and then, uh, of course, Christian Cage then announces it's going to be a triple threat ladder match. So the Hardys, Jeff Hardy, who's just coming off a fresh concussion, going into a ladder match. That's I'm happy they're protecting Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson. But uh, but Jeff Hardy is also a guy. And Kyle is is loving this shit. Uh, he, He is he is pumping his fist to the beat of the Hardy Boys music. We don't even have it playing. I could tell. I could tell just by the beat. Jungle Boy's pissed. He is not happy that they are defending their titles in a triple threat ladder match next week. He follows Christian Cage out the the office like, what the hell, man? Like, uh, we don't need that. So next How many week, triple threats do these guys need to, to win? I, I Yeah, I know. I know. It's ridiculous. Uh, our AEW Women's World Championship match, Thunder Rosa defending against Marina Shafir. Uh, they are feeling each other out with a bunch of chain wrestling in the beginning. Uh... uh Thunder Rosa then catches Shafir with a punch to the face. Uh, Shafir comes back with a bunch of suplexes and grounds her. Uh, She starts taking ground control as if this is a fight. And uh, that's where I was like, "Uh, she's still a little green. Uh, She keeps her grounded. Uh, However, Thunder Rosa is able to rally back and uh, she gets her with a flurry of strikes. 
Shafir then dumps Rosa right on her head with a pump handle slam, which uh, looked really rough, but uh, Rosa seemed to be okay. Uh, then uh, Rosa is able to hit a like roll-up pin from a Hurricane Rana position and get the pinfall, and Thunder Rosa defends the title. Uh, Shafir attacks Rosa after the match. Tony Storm makes the save, uh, but then Tony Storm grabs the title and looks at it. So we have a few directions, potentially, for Thunder Rosa going forward. And I guess we'll find out on Rampage what uh, direction they're going. We have a promo backstage with Jade Cargill, the baddies, and Stokely Hathaway. Um, They're talking about Red Velvet's match with Chris Statlander, which I believe Stokely Hathaway called her uh, Chris Highlighter. Uh, Who's the lady with the big head? It used to be an alien. Chris Highlighter uh, is what he, what he called her. Uh, not the best from Hathaway, but uh, I, I, I dig him. I dig him so much. I'm so happy to see him on TV. Uh, Red Velvet says that she can't be beat. Uh, we'll find out. Winner advances to the AW Championship ma- or interim championship match at Forbidden Door. John Boxley, Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, Kyle, this match was boring. Uh, this was a boring match. This was a let's beat each other up on the ground. Don't get me wrong. Lots of great strikes. At We, we refer to that as a, as a Styles versus Edge. For me on the same sort of like, because I, I, I while I wanted to praise that match, I, I you know, like when they had two of them, I couldn't. Right. So like this match just didn't. Maybe it was just the crowd at this point. Like the, the Kansas City crowd was both hot and down for certain things that I feel like this match should should have had a lot of... Uh, I think they, they got into it the last five minutes of the match. The last five minutes of the match was really smooth, really, really great, but it was just a lot of rest rest holds until then and a lot of rolling around on the ground together. Um, O'Reilly escapes a chicken wing by biting the ropes. This this point, this, this is where the match picked up for everyone, I think. Mox, or sorry, uh... I want to say before this match started, they talked about uh, Brian Danielson and uh, Jr. comment or made a comment about or sorry, Jr. called him Daniel Bryan and caught himself. And he's like, oh, I, you know, I uh, I just got them the, the, the first and the last they mixed up. And William Regal then piped up and said, that's all right, Jr. I invented that name so you can call him by whatever name you want. <laughs> And Jr. Jr. being the 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 humble old guy that he is goes, well, it wouldn't matter. I'd get it wrong either way. <laughs> and in that moment, I felt so bad for Jr. and all the flack he takes about the the flubs because he obviously is is he's he's not oblivious to this. Yeah. Um. But I thought a fun moment between those two on commentary. Um. But yeah, this match just was like again. The last five minutes was really great, but like it just didn't do anything for me otherwise. Uh, O'Reilly had a bunch of nasty elbows. Uh, he kicked Moxley in the face. That looked pretty gross. O'Reilly uh, was about to be pile-driven, uh, but he countered it into a triangle, which, uh, was, which was actually really nice. Moxley then goes for the uh, bulldog choke. Um, he then, uh, he after he gets out of it, uh, he blasts him with a regal knee and then puts him into the paradigm shift for the three count. Uh, I didn't have any doubt in the world that Moxley was going to win this match. Like I said, the last five minutes was good, but like this Dynamite was just kind of there i'm gonna give it a three uh i won't go as so far as to give it a 2.5 but i'll give it a three um out of out of five it just wasn't uh wasn't the best dynamite i've seen in the last while and i feel like they've been on they've been really on a, a great run lately with dynamite 
uh, and just the amount of guys that they have and, and their ability to deliver hot shows. So this wasn't my favorite, um, but there are some stuff on it that I uh, um, that I'm excited about. Um, I think it's time for my show then. Yes. Let's talk about Rampage. Rampage was from Kansas City as well. Excalibur, I had to catch this twice because I couldn't recognize his voice. Did you notice this on 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 Dynamite? Did Excalibur sound weird on on Dynamite? I didn't notice anything. No. Okay. He sounded a little off on the show. It was just him and Taz calling this one. Eddie Kingston, Jake Hager to start. I don't have a lot of notes this week. I figure I'll just go through this a little bit quicker. I don't know what you expect between these two. They hit each other a lot. There's a lot of strikes. There was a lot of, um, what do you call those? Chops. So many chops. These guys beat 10 bells out of each other. We got some of the classic offense, the Hager bomb. Among, we got the suplexes by Eddie Kingston. It was a hard-hitting physical match that you'd expect these two to have. Match ends as Hager's in the corner, uh, climbed up on the turnbuckle, punching Eddie Kingston in the face, which, as it turns out, was a mistake because it allows Eddie Kingston to grab him and power bomb him to the ground and hit him with two spinning back fists for the pinfall victory. Good way to open the open the show. Yeah. We move on. A promo from Ortiz. Basically, he's not done with Jericho. He wants to take him down a peg. And the way to do that is to... There's nothing that's going to hurt him more than having him lose his hair. We are getting an Ortiz versus Jericho hair versus hair match next week. Yes, we are. On Dynamite. Headed towards blood and guts. Jay Lethal versus Satnam Singh, or Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh versus Danny Vega or Davy Vega and Matt uh, Fitchett, who were in the ring already because they're jobbers. I have a question. What was uh, what was Satnam Singh's uh, ring gear like? Um, classic big dude gear. Okay, so kind of like an almost type uh, look to him, or yeah, he looked. I, I don't remember it specifically. I feel like it was just like an undershirt and pants. Like, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, he beat up. He came in very quickly and beat up both of these guys. Jay Lethal ended up hitting lethal injection on both of them and got the win. And I guess this is supposed to be his finisher. Singh ends up picking up Fitchett after the match and hitting him with... So he sets him up in a crucifix, and then instead of doing a crucifix bomb, he just sort of tosses him. Okay, so sure. crucifix toss. Okay, sure, sure. That's uh, and That was the post-match beat-up. Not much to say about this. This was a squash. Um, I will say Sanjay Dutt wearing the, the old-school terrible suit... Um, it's not a bad look for him. This is a weird direction for these guys, but it seems to be working okay, so I'll just let it go until I don't like it anymore. I just, I'm just hearing more names that could have been in that Battle Royale to spice it up a little bit. Yeah, you're probably right. Red Velvet, accompanied by the baddies in Stokely Hathaway versus Chris, Chris Statlander. The baddies aren't even sitting in the audience anymore, they're just sitting at ringside. 
I guess Stokely Hathaway uh, gets you better seats. Sure, sure. I like that. Red Velvet tries to jump Chris Statlander to start the match and ends up getting power slammed on the floor and then gorilla pressed onto the apron. The story of this match was very much Chris Statlander doing Chris Statlander things, which is being very dominant with her power. And Red Velvet getting a little bit of offense in um, here and there because of her speed. That's just pretty good back and forth. There was a big blue thunderbomb. It was like a like an airplane spin blue thunderbomb that got a two count that Chris Statlander hit. She ends up hitting that for the victory, or hitting a, a blue thunderbomb later again for the victory. Uh, seems to be moving away from the, the Big Bang catastrophe as she has completely gotten rid of the alien gimmick. Um, and is Chris Statlander, which is great. She is really awesome. This is a good win for her. The baddies jumped them after jumped her after the match. They're chased out by um, trying to remember who Anna J and I believe uh, Athena. And yeah, Miro promo. The Redeemer is back. I don't need to say anymore. Yeah, he, he he's mad at God. He's gonna get God. He's gonna go to his, his golden palace and take him down. And and. Uh, <sighs> I, I appreciate Miro so much more that he's now upset with God um, on a level that I didn't think I could appreciate. Like, <laughs> he's he ages like fine wine. He really does. I don't like it is amazing to me that the guy who came into WrestleMania in a tank that that barely makes the top 10 in, in uh, his like greatest moments now. Anyway. Dynamite next week from St. Louis, Ortiz and Jericho, hair versus hair. I, to be honest, despite the fact that they're doing a tag team ladder match, I think the tag team ladder match should go first. And I think that hair versus hair should end the night. Yeah, I could see that. It's hair versus hair. Yeah, and Ortiz is getting his hair cut. Yeah. I mean, honestly, maybe it could. I I could see them shaving Jericho's head. I would be entertained if they decided to shave Jericho's head just because it would mean another Jericho character. Yes. Yes. Because the the wizard is definitely among the more interesting of his characters. Because I'm a wizard. <laughs> I, I do. I can't not I, love I, So Chris when Jericho. I watch Double or Nothing with a buddy who had never watched AEW before, he's watching the promo for this match, the, the, the big uh, anarchy in the arena match, and Jericho just throwing fireballs at everybody, including people who are just backstage hands. And he's just busts out laughing and goes, is this just, just Chris Jericho now? He just throws fireballs at people? And my only response was, he's a wizard. Yeah. Yeah. What can you say? So, uh, Wardlow is going to take on 20 plaintiffs. Ethan Page will fight Miro, and then the tag team ladder match. That sounds like a great show. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Will Ospreay and Ozzy Open versus Trent Beretta and FTR in a very odd trios match, but like every trios match in AEW, this was really good. I will say my few notes, Dax Harwood is a great hot tag. He hot tags in, he gets a lot of really... uh, interesting and innovative offense and he suplexes does the snap suplex and then suplexes one member of Aussie open onto the other 
it was really good to see him go. It was really good to see FTR really getting to like show their stuff in this match. Aussie Open got a good showing in this. I thought this was going to be very dominated by Will Ospreay, but no, this was more Aussie Open than Will Ospreay. Right. They had a good showing in this match. They were really putting the boots to. They were isolating whoever they could. Uh, Cash Wheeler at one point, Trent Beretta at another point, they were isolating those guys. Osprey did hit a really good Osprey cutter, which got a great near fall on Trent. Trent at one point rolled his ankle when he did his acai moonsault to the outside. And I was impressed with what he was able to pull off. Like, he hit his Tornado DDT after rolling his ankle, which, like, sounds awful. But oh, yeah. Couldn't notice anything with it. He, he was fluid as always. He ends up hitting strong zero on Kyle Fletcher to get the victory. This is a very good trios match. Nothing really to say beyond this is entertaining. Nothing on the show that was like need to see go out and, you know, you desperately need to watch this. But it was overall just a very solid entertaining show i think it's building to a much bigger show in in dynamite in st louis and uh yeah we're gonna get some pretty good stuff moving towards forbidden door which is two weeks away yeah i know it's hard to believe it's hard to believe we we just i feel like we just reviewed an AEW show and you know why because we did yeah we did um and we took a few weeks off after that five hour adventure so i'm gonna go with a four for this show this okay. was this was good i yeah, can't say anything too bad about this. This was just overall very fun. Okay, all right. Uh, Kyle, before we get into the socials, I just want to preview a few things that we do have coming to the network in the next few weeks. Uh, I'm going to be running down the NBA Finals uh, with Vince Delgado, and potentially another guest. Um, once they complete... Um, I feel like uh, going into it beforehand, there was less to talk about. There'll be more to talk about afterwards. I'm also going to be doing a NBA draft edition of the morning sports report with uh, our NBA correspondent, JJ Bug. We were supposed to record it last week, but uh, I've been working so much that I just couldn't keep my eyes open. Uh, we're going to we're going to definitely aim for that this week and uh, hope that we can get that up to you guys as fast as possible. World's Funniest Podcast will be back at the end of the month. And let me tell you, with the last few weeks, things I've had to deal with in my life, that is going to be a show. That will be a certainly a very good show as well as well as we're going to be doing another two James Bond movies. We are almost finished. The non Daniel Craig editions of James Bond. I believe after this episode, we will have two more and then we are on to Daniel Craig, which we are doing in order. So get excited about that. Uh, I'm sure DK is going to have a bunch of great stories as well. Uh, Kyle, we have a are we going to do this live? I think we forgot to prepare for this. So I don't know if we're going to do this live here right here. The Forbidden Door? No, the Wednesday Night Rewind uh, selection for, for the end of the month. Uh, oh, are, are yeah, we, gonna... we can. Okay, so let's let's talk about some terrible wrestling. What what are some oh, errors? Oh, we have to do bad again? It's all bad, man. <laughs> it's all bad, really. We don't have to do WCW again. I feel like that that uh, that that we we can go back to the W. Should we should we maybe use this month to do our? Uh, or are we going to do a poll? We could do a poll. I think it's let's get an let's get an era before we do a poll. 
Okay, uh, let's go... Let's go 2002, 2003. Okay, so we're going into... So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look through those matches and see if I can't find some shows just by the main event that make me think, oh, I don't know about this one. 2002, 2003. We do have... So... Backlash that year after WrestleMania X8, which was an interesting WrestleMania that I don't know that I have the stomach to review right now. Backlash that year from Camper Arena in Kansas City is Triple H and Hulk Hogan for the undisputed WWF Championship. And the Judgment Day after that is Hulk Hogan versus The Undertaker for the Undisputed Championship. Oh, uh, you say you're going to pass. But those are I think those are those are definitely on the table. Ooh. We do have 2003 Armageddon, a raw branded show with Goldberg, Triple H and Kane Triple Threat for the Heavyweight Championship. Or we've got a, a, a SmackDown-branded show. Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, and Big Show in the Triple Threat. In, I, let's do Denver. that. Are we, gonna, or are we just making these a part of the poll? I think. Let's So let's do a poll. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do... I'm going to do two... I'm going to pick two... SmackDown events and two Raw events and we're going to put those up in the poll. Here's what we're going to do. Rebellion which was a show in Manchester, England. The main event was Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman versus Edge in a two two versus one handicap match for the WWE Championship. So Rebellion 2002 is going to be one of the poll options. Second poll option is going to be, let's say, Bad Blood from the Compact Center in Houston, Texas, which features Triple H versus Kevin Nash and Hell in a Cell for the, the Heavyweight Championship in 2000. So that's Bad Blood 2003. Another SmackDown show. We'll go with Vengeance, the one I mentioned before. Pepsi Center from Colorado. Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, Big Show, Triple Threat for the WWE Championship. And then the last one we're going to do is Armageddon, as I had mentioned before. Orlando, Florida. Goldberg, Triple H, and Kane, Triple Threat for the Heavyweight Championship. Those will be the four we'll throw up on a poll. Pick the winner. Yeah, we'll do that. I'll I'll post it. We'll we'll have it go run for about a week, and then I will let the people know how it goes. Actually, Rylan, if you want to post that from the Wednesday Night Wallop uh, Twitter feed, I will send you the options. But yeah, those are going to be our options. If you are interested in knowing what we're going to review, go and uh, let us know. Go, yeah, go let us know. Go tell us. We will and go to the poll. And yeah, you have the opportunity to to pick 
what terrible wrestling event we're going to be watching. It's possible one of these is not par- terrible. It's possible. It's but it, it, there. There is this era of SmackDown that like that that wasn't too terrible in that time. But uh, we shall see. But I am going to leave it to our our listeners and to our Twitter followers as to what they are going to subject us to. So yeah, get on that. So if you want to, if you want to find that poll and all of our social medias, you can find us on Twitter at at wnwallop on Instagram at wnwallop on Facebook at Wednesday Night Wallop. When you see myself and Kyle Joseph's name, you know you're in the right place. If you want to find me on Twitter, it is at ryam sport report. And like I said, you can expect two new episodes of the Sports Report out before the end of the month, covering the NBA. And uh, a world's funniest podcast uh, dropping on the last day of the month, as it usually does. Kyle, f- tell the fine folks where they can find you on Twitter. If they want to find me on Twitter, they can do so at KJ. That is L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. Yeah, let's, uh, let's send the people home, Rowan. You have been Walt. Good night. You have been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.